Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Disparo de Bellerín. Gol del Arsenal. Marca Bellerín. 5 a 0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're unwell. I'm unwell. I'm unwell. I'm, I'm mending swiftly, but I've spent most of the weekend in bed. I mean, it's often the case anyway. I'm a spectacularly lazy individual. Mm. Um, and international breaks are an excuse for that sort of behaviour. But unfortunately... I have been struck down with some sort of virus. So I'm, I'm beginning to get, best. yeah, I'm beginning to get a little bit worried that this podcast could literally be the death of you. You know. Well, who knows? I mean, yeah, exactly. There must be. I suppose you know, lots of good news for Arsenal players. You know, Wales qualified, Giroud back among the goals, so they've got me to thank, I suppose. Mm, I, but I, could we just get a pledge here that if it does actually happen, that I could have all your stuff and use it as prizes on the podcast going forward? Of course. I mean, I have almost nothing of value. Right. I'm just looking around my desk now. Um, no, there's some deodorant. Um, right. A, a box that a watch came in. I've subsequently lost the watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and a ukulele, actually. A vintage ukulele. So you, you have a vintage ukulele. Any particular reason? Is this your George Formby tribute uh, act in the, the, in the Genesis stage? Yeah, it's very much in the Genesis stage. I don't know how to play it, but somebody bought it for me, and I've sort of kept it ever since. So, former Nordly Q, guys, when when that day comes, there's a, a hell of a will and testament to be made out. Pretty awesome. Um, well, I, I just want to sort of say at, at this point of the podcast that I, I've been reinstalling all the stuff from my hard drive and all that kind of crack. It's still going on, uh, my, my hard drive madness, but I've uh, installed GarageBand again. And listen, I don't know if you can hear this, but like... Can you hear that? No, I can't hear that. Oh, I wonder can anyone else? Okay, I'm going to play it again. One sec. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that work? You can't hear anything? That I did hear that. I did hear that. that I had to turn you right up. Okay, that's pretty awesome. So uh, if the podcast gets, you know, if, if it all goes a bit wrong or gets a bit dull, I'm just going to start... You know, that just kind of stuff. Just stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean, you know. that could well happen because we are firmly entrenched in the interlull. We certainly are. And what an interlull it's been for various teams. Wales, Aaron Ramsey, uh, is going to the European Championships 2016, and I think this is Wales' first visit to a an international tournament since the World Cup in 1958. Wow. Yeah. It's fantastic there. It is quite extraordinary. And I'm really pleased for him because, you know... Had he been born into a different generation, he probably would never have had this opportunity. But he's been a key part of them getting there. Um, and he didn't always have the easiest time with Wales. He was stripped of the captaincy, wasn't he? He was made captain and then they gave it to Ashley Williams, of all people. Uh, but he's he's been a massive member of that team and it must be a huge sense of achievement for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's great for, for him as a player as well, because I think well, when you are a player, and as much as we might look at international football slightly differently, they look at it as, uh, you know, this is the top of the game. To go to a, a, a major international tournament is a big, big thing. Of course. Massive. I mean, like I say, look at Ryan Giggs, you know, never played for Wales at that kind of level, so... Yeah, massive thing for Ramsey. But he hardly ever bit... played for Wales anyway, did he? Because he was always in. Well, that's true. 
that's probably partly why they didn't get there. <laughs> Never turned up. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, from an Arsenal point of view, it's always mixed feelings, isn't it? You kind of, you want players, you kind of like it when guys don't go off to international tournaments, get some rest, have a, a proper full pre-season, especially when they're important players like Ramsey. However, uh, it does make watching the tournaments that much more fun, seeing the Arsenal players involved, and, and you want them to be happy and you want them to do well. Mm, I think there's a benefit to them as a footballer as well, you know, to, to play a, uh, on a stage like that, it kind of... I guess it increases confidence and belief and, and uh, you know, to mm. do it on those big stages is, is is a big thing for players. So that's good. Um, Ireland didn't qualify. They were beaten no. by a fucking magic header by Lewandowski. I mean, he's on fire, isn't he? I mean, mm. he's, he's more than on fire. He's sort of disintegrated into ash. He's so hot right now. And it's funny, I mean, in the summer there were a couple of stories... Uh, linking us with him, which seemed completely <laughs> fanciful now. <laughs> Just like an absolute pipe dream uh, stuff. Yeah, but why would you? I mean, um, why would a club like Bayern Munich let him go? That's the thing. I know. And he's still know, quite well, young, isn't he? He's only twenty five, twenty six, I think. Is that yeah, right? Something like that. I don't know. I should look that up. Have a little Google. Yeah, have a Google. But he, um, yeah, he's got something ridiculous, like about fifty goals in five games, something like that. Mm. The the whole Ireland, but Ireland beat Germany. Let's not forget. Yeah, amazing. That was. Did you watch that? I didn't. I didn't. Um, it was <sighs> did, did. whatever night it was on Thursday night. I was working, and uh, and couldn't really pay any attention to anything. So I was following it a little bit on Twitter, uh, and obviously, uh, folk were very, very excited indeed. Uh, Shane Long's goal. Uh, and, and a suggestion that perhaps there was a touch of Arsenal to Germany in the sense that they kind of turned up and thought, well. We beat them six one last time. We'll just we'll just do something similar again. But but they didn't quite yeah. do that. So uh, fantastic win, and obviously uh, the the chance for Ireland to go through to the finals was was there last night. But look, I think if you'd ask people uh, at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the the tournament when the the groups were drawn, if they take a playoff place, I think that would have been that would have been pretty acceptable, all all things considered. So. Just depends who they it's get. It's all about the draw now. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Mm. Macedozo got Agreed. some uh, assists or some. Yeah, yeah. Lovely little pass actually uh, against who was it against? I want Georgia. To say Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Um, he played pretty well across the two games. I thought not too bad. Um, and then yeah, Giroud's the one that I think is probably most interesting, isn't it? Because he has been having a, I think a torrid time would be a bit of an exaggeration, but you know th- those quotes from him in the last 24 hours, certainly played up the, the drama of his situation. Um, which shouldn't be a surprise, considering Giroud, but a couple <laughs> of goals for him for France, and uh, hopefully that will help his confidence. He owes quite a lot to Kasper Schmeichel, though, I'd say. Yeah, the um, first one was a bit of a bit of a howler, and the second one, also a bit of a howler, you'd have yeah, to say. not great. No. first one just sort of goes through him. And the second one, he just sort of uh, palms it straight back to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, he'll take it, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think he, he needs those goals. The comments were interesting, weren't they? Um, you know, saying mm. that this is the first time in his career that he's ever been in a situation like this. Um, and that he's going to have to, he's going to have to, what did he say? Harden myself mentally. Which is interesting. Yeah. Because that seems an admission that perhaps... Uh, he hasn't been quite as strong mentally as as he should have been in certain situations. No, that's it. I think that um, 
well, I think we've said that about him in the past, that he can be quite sensitive um, f- mentally and physically at times, which is, is not the most helpful. Mm. And I think that it's probably good for him, you know, if he's never experienced this in his career, being second choice or being out of favour, uh, which I'm not even sure he is necessarily out of favour, it's just that Arsenal's going with a different option at, ta- uh, at the present time. Mm. I think it's probably an important part of his development to face up to this and see if he can come through it stronger. You'd have to hope... He will, and to be fair to him, when he has been called upon to start or as a substitute, he's generally been okay. You know, he's knocked in a few goals, he's come on and scored a couple of times, so I think he's kind of doing what he can. And this role as a a plan B is what people have talked about being an an ideal situation for a while. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure we can talk about... feel that way. No, of course. Uh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure we can talk about it being important for his development. You know, he's 29 years of age now, so uh, I'm not sure development is the right word, but it might be good for his character in the sense that he has been, since he arrived at Arsenal, essentially the, 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 the number one striker at the club um, mm. for various reasons. Uh, one, because we didn't have anybody else. Two, because other options didn't work out. Three, because every other comp was injured. Um, so he's kind of had that position, I, and I won't say by default, because he's basically a 20-goal-a-season forward, which is all right. You know, that's more than acceptable, really. Um, but now he's got a real challenge, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he responds to that challenge, because we've talked about their character and their 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 various um, mental strengths, if you like, in the sense that, that Giroud mm-hmm. seems to... He seems to live everything, doesn't he? Like, everything that happens to him is the worst thing ever. You know, a mischance, a kick in yeah. the leg. He's like, ah, ah, ah. And Walcott's like... <laughs> Actually, maybe I could hang on. Walcott's more like. Little noises going off in his head, you see. He's he's almost exactly like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's Theo Walcott, whereas Juro, I should have picked some really nasty sounding synth. But, you know, he, he, he does have to get his head around the situation that he's in. And the only way to respond is to work hard and perhaps. Um, add something to his game that will make the manager sit up and, and think about him in a different way because he knows exactly what he gets from Giroud after three years as the number one striker. He knows every single thing about his game and it's up to him maybe to provide something different, whether that's a bit more aggression or a bit more, I, I don't know what. I think aggression is probably the thing that would be easiest for him to add to his game, no? Yeah, yeah. Basically, what he needs to do, how he needs to respond to this is he needs to not roll around on the floor wagging his fingers but get straight back up <laughs> yeah. effectively uh, and that would be great to see I mean I have to be honest I'm not sure what we've seen of Giroud so far over these three years I, I don't know I don't know if he's got it in his locker to come back from this I'm not sure how hard it's going to hit him mm. uh, being second choice for a period of time it 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 wouldn't amaze me if he he really struggled with that but I'd be pleasantly surprised if he was able to fight back as it were and and reassert himself because you know even though Walcott's doing well at the moment I still think it's not necessarily a question of him being first choice in every fixture I think there will be games where Arsene does Giroud uh, I think there'll be quite a few of those so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of months or so yeah Theo Walcott got a goal for England the other night he did playing from the right hand side as well um Harry Kane took up the central striking 
birth from Wayne Rooney. <laughs> uh, Walcott, pl- <laughs> yeah, played on the played about as well as Rooney's been playing recently. Actually, Harry Kane, he was he was not great, but Walcott um, did well. Uh, was probably England's most dangerous player and scored a very very good goal. Confident take. He's obviously you know flying high at the moment. Yeah, he's feel he's feeling good. Alexis Sanchez scored against Brazil, and then the the the, the Chilean coach said, "Yeah, he's he's hurt. You know, he's got a groin strain, but you know, we played him anyway. That's good. It's mildly terrifying, that isn't it? <laughs> it is because you know we um, not that we rely on him, but he is that guy who gives us that bit extra. You know, he's the guy who who can score those kind of goals against Manchester United in a big game, and it's hard to see it's hard to see somebody else." Uh, do, doing that or picking up those reins, if if that were the case. Uh, yeah, I think he's arguably our most difficult player to replace if he were to be out uh, for any length of time. I mean, obviously, you'd love Chile to to give him a rest, but he's probably more important to them than he is even to us. So I suppose we have to accept it. But it doesn't seem to affect him too badly. He scored a good goal. Mm. They beat Brazil. I mean, ho- hopefully, he can sort of. Just, I don't know, have a rest on the plane? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the club should be basically sending people out there to to massage his groin in pretty much every waking moment when he's not playing football. Just, you know, massage. Well, I don't think they'll be short of volunteers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a popular man. He does seem to be all right, yes. Um, so, yeah, so who else? Anybody else that we're missing? I'll tell you who played. Alex Iwobi played for Nigeria. Did, and did, how did he get on? He made a couple of substitute appearances, but he's, I think he got himself a couple of senior caps against uh, Congo and Cameroon. That's interesting, so that's isn't it? That's quite impressive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wonder if maybe he's eligible for more than one country. Maybe he's eligible for England as well. Nigeria felt they had to get in there early. Mm. Um, He's the nephew of J.J. Kotcher, isn't he, Alex Iwobi, I think I'm right in saying. Is he indeed? But, um, there's a good, there's some good indeed. lineage there. Yeah, exactly. So I think Nigeria was always going to be the way he was going to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting to see. He's one of the few young players who hasn't been sent out on loan. You know, he's been kept around the squad. I think we turned down a few loan inquiries for him in the summer. Mm. Um, but he hasn't really had looking as yet I suppose long may it continue really because that means the injuries haven't been too bad yeah and he has just signed a new deal actually he signed a new deal mm. last week to keep him at the club uh, and he looked impressive in the in the the Emirates Cup had a couple of good games there yes. I think and obviously you can't read too much into to pre-season tournaments and what have you but I do wonder if there's a reason why he's been kept around perhaps they don't view him as quite ready for a loan move but also if for example something were to happen to one or a number of our strikers then at least we have something in reserve yeah I think he's made the bench a couple of times and you know we've got the fixture at Sheffield Wednesday coming up in the Capital One Cup he might be involved in the matchday squad for that one. So perhaps we'll see him, and maybe the situation will be reassessed in January. Mm. Um, oh, Santi Cazorla, he played for Spain and scored. Scored twice? Yeah. Scored twice. Of all things. That's good. I mean, yeah, Santi's been... Wonderful. yeah, He's been goal shy of late. I mm. think we got mixed up a bit there. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Sorry. That just breaks things up now. We can go back and do that. No, yeah, no, he scored twice. Um, and, he, yeah, apart from penalties, he hasn't been, you know, scoring as much as we might like. No, you can certainly say that. It's one of those great mysteries, isn't it? How mm. a player 
so technically accomplished can fluff his lines so frequently in front of goal, but mm. he seems to have managed it for Spain. I, I imagine he plays in a more advanced role for them, which I imagine you know influences things and probably gives him a few more goal scoring opportunities. But um, good to see him back among the goals. I mean, we haven't had a penalty this season, have we? No, I don't think so. No. Mm. Interesting there. Yeah. Overdue. Should we have had any? I can't remember. Can't remember if we should have had any or not, but... No, there's none that stand out to... I don't mean, we're probably forgetting some really obvious ones in massive games, but... um, No. Well, it's strange. I don't know if he scored at all, has he, Santi Cazorla? Not this season, no. No. No goals. It'll come. I'm sure it'll come. It'd be good. It'd be good to see a few more goals from him and also Ramsey. You know, it'd be great. I mean, Ramsey missed that chance against United, which you really would have expected him to take, that mm. side-footed volley. I think the sooner he can get back on the goal trail, the better, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, that's uh, that's the interlull for our players. Um, of course, there was... Yeah, pretty much. There was sad news from Merseyside last week. Oh. Well, about, about Brendan, you mean? Yeah. Sad news. Very sad. Was, was that before or after the live Arscast Extra? I think it was on the day, wasn't it? Right. So we're going over old ground here. This is old ground. I mean, ground. guys, it's old ground, but what's new ground, I suppose, is the appointment. Yeah, yes. Klopp. How do you feel about that? Um, I, you know... <sighs> Sort of like that, you know? Right. Um, okay. I, I, I don't really... I mean, look, he, he, to me, seemed one of the very obvious candidates to replace Arsene Wenger if the timing had been right. Um, you know, the profile of Dortmund and Arsenal, not that they're entirely similar, but similar-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. And he had done uh, he'd done great work there. Uh, but look, timing is a, a big thing in football. Um, Arsene Wenger still got 18 months left on his contract. Uh, there's no chance in hell that the board would sack him just so they could bring in someone like Klopp. Um, no. That that was never going to happen. And he's ended up at, at Liverpool. I guess he's going to make the Premier League a more interesting place. Oh, definitely. Uh, it was certainly entertaining. Hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I would have really, I mean, I, I'll be clear, I would have really liked to see him uh, replace Arsene Wenger at some point. But as you say, timing's everything. And... I'm not even sure, you know, Arsenal's deal expires in 2017. I'm not even sure that'll be the end of his reign. It wouldn't, at this stage, my money would be on an extension of some kind. Ooh, so Really? Yeah, I think so. Right. I think so. I think, uh, I think he'll be offered it, certainly. Right. Um, whether or not he takes it up. Well, it all depends what happens, same. doesn't it? You know, um, f- football Exactly, wise. and I don't think, no decision will be made probably until the back end of that season, that final season. But if I had to put money on it, I would say that I think he will He will stay on, yeah? Right. Do you not? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it really depends. I think he's got to yeah. to win something or he's got to... I think he's got to win the league, really, for me, to be perfectly honest. I, again, though, I, I would qualify that by saying it really depends who is out there as a replacement. Do you know what this I mean? Because that that... You might well want a fresh start, but if there's nobody like a Klopp out there or a Guardiola or a manager of that of that stature that people want to see in the club, then I, I don't know. That that will make the decision uh, from the club's point of view a, a little more difficult. 
Um, mm. You know, we, we've seen managers come and go, and all of a sudden, you think Michael Laudrup, for example, at uh, Swansea. He's the next guy, and well, look, he had a good season at Swansea, and now he's managing somewhere in, I don't know, was in Qatar or uh, something like that, wasn't he? Qatar, possibly, I think. You yeah, know? So it really depends like on the availability of the right candidate to take over, I, I think. But, you know, in order for him to merit a new deal, uh, I think we should, we really need to win the title in one of those two seasons, or, you know, this season or next. Or at least progress in the Champions League to a, to a, to a large extent. Yeah, well, that would be good to see. Mm. That's probably not going to be this year. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it is going to be this year. Um, the other thing I was going to say about Klopp, though, yeah, regardless of how much we all might have liked him, do you mm. get the feeling that he could be like entertaining? Yes, but also quite annoying? Potentially. What you mean to fans of other clubs? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean... That kind of uh, relentless positivity can be quite frustrating after a while. And is, I think it, is that, that his is that his thing? Relentless positivity. I think so. I think so. that's my impression. That sort of enthusiasm, right? Um, and I think that that can be grating after a while. I mean, the thing is, like, he's obviously a very charming guy, very erudite, very quite witty, um, but he's also a Liverpool manager. Yeah, but that's it. By their very nature, you know, there's, we've got to categorise. We've got to stick them in a box. The box marks, yeah, that's it. you know, he, pretty much a cunt. He's a f- that's it. Whether whether he likes it or not, he is now affiliated with the likes of, you know, Brendan Rodgers. Kenny Dalglish. Rafa Benitez. Kenny Dalglish. That's his lineage. That's his heritage that he's stepping into. So if he can survive that and not be a cunt, I'll be very impressed indeed. Mm. Yeah, I... It's a tough gig. A tough ass. It is a tough gig. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tricky for him to remain likable. <laughs> um, what else has been happening? Not much. Not much else has been happening, has it, since we last no, spoke? No, Has anything interesting happened, like, outside of Arsenal? I'm just trying to think. In the world, more generally? Oh, well, there's the whole Sepp Blatter, Michel Platini um, suspended for 90 days thing. That was yes. quite interesting. I don't really, FIFA. That is very exciting. I can't pretend to understand all the ins and outs. Well, okay, let me try and break it down for you in, in very simple okay. terms. Right. Thank you. Layman's terms. Okay. Jens Layman's Jens terms. Jens Layman's terms. They are complete and utter cunts. And the weight of evidence is so much now that they've suspended them for, for 90 days. I, I basically feel they need to burn the whole thing down. Yes, they need to start, start a, new, a new football organization, a new world body for football. Not called FIFA, not called UEFA. You'd have to think of a better better name for it. Yeah, change the name of the computer game. Yeah. But, you know, I yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of satisfying to see to see the baddies get their comeuppance, I suppose. Mm, I agree, I agree. And, uh, you know, they have been baddies. And, uh, you know, we're having a World Cup in November in the future, and it's in the middle of the desert. That'll be strange when that happens and everyone sort of... By then, hopefully, everyone will be fully aware of the machinations of how that came to pass, you know. And but aren't people already it... aware? <laughs> I mean, Well, it's... they are, they are, but, I mean, it'll be fully disclosed and fully public, and I think everyone will be out there sort of with a sense of, so why, why are we here? <laughs> this um, is shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be very odd, won't it? It won't be quite the sort of 
carnival atmosphere that one usually associates with a, a World Cup. No, I mean, look, the world could be in a very different place and all of a sudden, you know, there could be a game between Brazil and Argentina and then strange things start happening in the stadium and it's the ghosts of all the people that died building those stadiums. God, that's quite a sombre thought. But, yeah. Um, well, look, I shan't be going to Qatar, I imagine. No, neither will I. I definitely won't. No? No. Well, let's call that a boycott. Then. Yes, we're, the boycott starts here. We've taken a stance. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a break now, and we're going to do uh, questions and all that kind of stuff right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the synth-powered Arscast Extra. Um, and this is the part where we answer your questions. Send to us on Twitter, at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog. Thank you indeed for sending your questions. Sorry we can't get to them all, uh, but we'll uh, we'll do our best to get to as many as we can. So do you want to start, or will I, or, or what? what? Why don't you start? Why don't I start? Okay, I could think of about eight reasons why, but I won't go there. And I'll just I'll okay. just start. <laughs> I think that would be good. good. This one, this first one, right, comes from Travis K- Cavey. Travis Cavey. Mm-hmm. At Trav Cavey. Like yeah. Um, Trav for short, yeah. Trav, yeah. Cavey. That would be his football nickname, Cavey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he says... Good goal, Cavey. Yeah, nice one, Cavey. On my head, Cavey. Uh, he wants to know... Should a club be able to stop a player playing for their country when they're carrying an injury? That is an interesting question. Um, I'm tempted to say yes. I'm tempted to say yes. If they're carrying an injury, I think the rules are that they have to report to duty regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so even if a player's injured, they can be forcibly made to attend the squad get-together to be assessed by the country's medical staff. Um, but if the medical staff... Uh, the problem is where do you draw the line, I guess, isn't it? So in, in the case of someone like Alexis, like it's a very minor strain and he would play through it for Arsenal, so why should he not play through it for Chile? Mm. The reason being, of course, that it's Arsenal who, who have to pay his wages and live with that. Um, so I think it's probably too complicated to actually put something like that in in place because also how do you really ascertain how injured a player is you know I mean obviously there's medical testing but a player might say they're fit in order to play and things like that Um, it's frustrating for fans of clubs but I'm not necessarily sure that you can police it so to speak I mean what's your opinion well, yeah, I mean, I think you have to take into account what the player wants as well. That he might want to, uh, he might want to play in a game where he's supposedly injured, um, and, and I think we overlook the fact that players are all kind of slightly injured all season anyway, because of the amount yeah. of football that they play. They're all carrying little aches and strains and knocks, which are managed and nursed through the week in terms of training, in terms of games. You know, players get injections uh, in order to play. Uh, so, you know, th- there is an element of that. Um, if a player is too badly injured to play, I think most international coaches would accept that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if a guy's borderline and you've got a game against Brazil, for example, which is going to help you qualify for a World Cup, I think this is where the frustration comes in because the Chile manager goes, well, okay, maybe we've got a game against Peru on Tuesday 
We could maybe get away without Alexis for a game against Peru, but not against Brazil. And if he does get a little bit injured in it, I wasn't going to play him against Peru. And we don't have any more internationals for another four or six weeks or whatever it might be. So uh, there's no... There's no sort of stop mechanism there, you know what I mean, for the international managers. They can just say, okay, well, I'll give it a try, and if it doesn't work out, well, he can go back to his club and get good medical treatment there. Um, exactly. So it, it's a tricky one. It's a grey area, and I think we, again, going back to what we were talking about at the start, that players like to play for their country. They do like to go away and represent their country, and particularly somebody like Alexis, who's got huge pride in, in doing that, is going to be really, really difficult. Um, we, we know the system has in the past been... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Some people have taken advantage of it. Look, uh, Ryan Giggs. Abused. Yeah, Ryan Giggs, yeah. who never played a friendly for Wales in his life, practically. Uh, he always had a hamstring injury, which kept him away from those kind of international duties. Uh, Alex Ferguson was, was quite brilliant uh, at doing that and managing those situations for his players. A guy who didn't play during the international break was all of a sudden fit for... Um, fit for the weekend. I think that, you know, not that that sparked that, but I think that might have been part of why that system is in place where a player has to report for international duties uh, to be assessed by the, the national team's medical people. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it, it, in an ideal world, yes, you should be able to say, look, you there, you're going you're gonna to tweak your groin and you're going to miss some games for us. But in, in reality, there's not much you can do about it. Do you think it's commonplace, this is a slightly separate issue, for clubs to... Uh, be insured against the risk of players getting injured at international level. Because do you remember there was a case where I think Newcastle, uh, the FA had to pay out quite a lot of money because Michael Owen did his cruciate, so had to pay like a couple of million quid or something like that. Right. Um, do, do, I wonder if that's something that happens. You know, is that I wonder if that happens in all cases with all players to clubs protect their assets in that way. I, d- I don't know. To know. Yeah, somebody who is um, a football insurance broker or an actuary could probably fill us in on, on that one. Mm. But I guess perhaps there's some protection plan in place in terms of in terms of wages. Maybe I don't think you could really well, look also, for compensation. But if you're paying a guy a hundred grand a week and he's injured while playing for England, then yeah, they're they're you know. Maybe there's some onus on the the FAs, the national associations, to to assume part of that payment, or their insurance can cover part of that payment. I don't really know how it works, though. But maybe somebody out no. there does and can tell us, and we can do. Well, we a, have the ult- Go on. <laughs> I said we have the ultimate insurance policy already in Alex Awobi. Yes, who, you know, is obviously waiting in the wings as discussed. <laughs> um, right. Let's have another question, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Um, okay, this is from Patrick Wilson at Patrick K Wilson. And he asks, do you think the Theo Walcott that we saw in the match against Manchester United, i.e. the closing down and the tackling, will continue to turn up? Hmm. 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 Uh, Good question. I, I would like for that to happen, obviously. And I think people can very easily separate performance from effort, if you know what I mean. Uh, Walcott, I thought, right. was was fantastic against Manchester United, but there are going to be games where he doesn't play as well as that. Uh, maybe his passing will be a little off, or his movement won't be quite right, or his end product won't be there. But if there's the same effort, like we see it with Alexis, uh, as much as I love him, and I think we all love him, he's had some mm-hmm. stinking games for us. Like he's had some really, yeah, really bad. some really poor games, but it doesn't raise the ire in the same way because 
even when he does play badly, he tries hard. And when he is playing badly, he tries even harder to try and to get over that, to sort of play himself into into the game a little bit. And I think people appreciate that. So on the one hand, you have the, the level of performance that Walcott showed against Manchester United, which was excellent and one of his best games for the club ever. And on the other, you have uh, the effort and endeavour that he showed to track back and to do the tackling and to rob the ball from Schweinsteiger, etc., etc. That part, I would say, is the easiest part to get right week in, week out. You know, it's it's it is it is. Although perhaps not for Theo, based on his career to date. You know? Sure, sure. I mean, that's why I would still, I would still be a little cautious overall about Walcott. I think he's done brilliantly, and he's. Uh, I said it last week, humble pie, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I think it's still quite early, and we need to see him do it. Not just three games, or six games, or eight games. It, he's got to do it every game between now and May, the end of May, or whenever the season finishes. And then he's got to do it next season as well. Because if this is the way that he uh, wants to play as a center forward, or if this is if this is the sort of performance that allows him to be picked week in, week out as a center forward, that effort and being switched on defensively and doing uh, doing the basics, that's the easy part. The more difficult part is being creative and scoring goals and, and you know, all that. That that is the most difficult part. But but just putting in the effort, um, I, I think, should be the, the norm, the default setting for him. But, you know, again, part of what made that performance so, oh, my goodness, was the fact that it's rare or has been relatively rare for him, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that that I'm, I remain a little bit cautious. I hope so, because it would be great, because he's got all the attributes to, to really cause problems to, to the opposition if he does play like that. What do you reckon? I don't know. I mean, I was going to say, do you think the nature of the opposition has something to do with the way he played? Like, do you think it was the fact that it was United, that it was this big game mm. that inspired him to produce that? And if so, I guess that kind of applies to the whole team, doesn't it? I mean, they were superb. They attacked the game with real uh, vim, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. against, against United. And I suppose we find ourselves saying, well, why don't they do that in every match? And I guess there is something about certain occasions that, brings that out of players you know and I think finding the motivation to be able to do that every single match which is something Alexis can do is something that I think a lot of our squad could benefit from yeah yeah no I I agree and I think there was an element of them wanting to respond to uh, to what happened against uh, Olympiacos there was also the fact that it was it was against Manchester United so you know you've got to raise your game but uh, you know that should that really should be the default in terms of the way the team operates or at least tries. And look, I think we sometimes forget that they, they, they don't ever go out to deliberately play badly. I think when they go out onto the pitch, all the things have been said on the training ground, all the preparation's gone into it, and, you know, this is what you should do, this is what we need you to do. But football is weird, and uh, the, the vagaries of the game mean that sometimes you just don't play particularly well. So it's not like they go out and play badly. I think they go out and try to play well in every single game. Uh, but, you know, I think there are things that are in your own hands and, and those things aren't necessarily uh, performance-based but effort-based more, more than anything else. And that comes across perhaps a little bit like run around a bit like Harry Redknapp, but it's to do with uh, concentration and discipline and what you do without the ball as much as what you do with the ball. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it does, yeah. Right. Well, look, I, I think that Walcott, um, just to finish on that, I think that he what he showed against United was a really complete striker's performance, and that's what's been absent from him for a long time. He's always had elements of that attacking play that have been right, but mm. he's never put it all together as one. Sure. And that's simply what he needs to do uh, more regularly against, against all class of opposition. All right. Is it my turn? It is now, yeah. You have permission. Okay, this one comes from... Walter Peck at the underscore J underscore high. Walter Peck was the mm. guy from uh, Ghostbusters. Ah, That's who he well, was. Well, here he is. This here is he what, is. This is, where, this is what became of him. Well, it's great to know. It's great to know that he is, uh, he's an Arsenal fan. Walter, I uh, really admire your work. He got it wrong. He got it wrong in the movie by making them shut down the system. And all the ghosts escaped. Then the big marshmallow man came. But I hope you've learned your yep. lesson. Hope. Yeah, I hope you're sorry, mate. Is that what his question's about, or...? No, it's actually about Liam Brady. He wants to know, should we welcome the return of Liam Brady to an active role at the club, or is this a step backwards? This is in relation to reports last week uh, in the Mirror from John Cross that Liam Brady was going to be uh, brought back into the youth setup um, to oversee player loans and making sure that the best talent remains at the club and perhaps um, making sure that the best talent develops properly via the loan system, etc., etc. Very interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Yeah. Just so soon after his... It was retirement, wasn't it? He retired? Yeah, uh, he sort of was in by... an ambassadorial role. Right, that's it. And he, uh, Is it Andres Jonker who... Mm-hmm. Who came in to replace him? Um, yeah, fascinating to see him come back so soon. I, I mean, my interpretation would be if he is particularly looking at the loan market and getting players' first team experience elsewhere, is it simply the case that he has a an established and broad network of contacts within Britain that enable him to do that? That maybe Jonker can't emulate what with having come come over from Holland. Mm. Um, however, I mean, you could appoint a lot of people. Who, who could do the job? The fact they've gone back, Brady, is what's particularly interesting. Be, I don't know how hands-on he's going to be, um, but I—I I mean, it does feel a little bit like maybe things aren't going quite as they hoped with the youth system. If, if you're having to revert back to bring in someone who was who was there previously, no? Maybe. I mean, it might well be a case that y- Yonkers come in and he's been quite upfront and he's done a lot of a lot of things behind the scenes. They've had new pitches installed. He's talked about restructuring the the scouting system. Um, you know, he's brought in a lot of a lot of young talent from Europe. I think there were four or five, maybe six, uh, young players signed from across Europe last uh, last summer. So um, maybe that's an admission that the quality of the player that the academy is producing isn't quite right. Uh, there's no quick fix for that. You know, you've got to go back and you've got to restructure um, from the ground up, basically, uh, and try and improve your system. So the the fruits of that or what he's doing might be not seen for, for quite a long time. Uh, the other side of that, then, if he's totally focused on that, perhaps there's a need or they've identified a need for somebody in this position, you know, that Jonker himself right. has said, look, I, I've got this on my plate. I've got I've got to do all this, but we need somebody to manage this. So you're talking about players like uh, Dan Crowley and Chuba Akpom, uh, Isaac Hayden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These guys are at a point where they need to develop as players, and we need somebody to manage 
that development, even if it is outside of Arsenal. So making sure that they go on loan to the right club, for example, a club that perhaps matches the philosophy of, uh, of, of, of Arsenal in terms of the football that they play or where they're going to get a good chance to play regular first-team football. And so far, so good for, for Hayden and, and Akpom at Hull City. It seems to be going pretty well for them there. So it might well just be a case sure. that, it's not that not that stuff has gone wrong, but they need to get more stuff right via an appointment. And and if there's somebody who knows Arsenal and who's got an interest in the job, maybe Liam Brady put himself forward for a position, saying, "Look, I'm kind of bored of this whole retirement thing. I could do it being being more active." Um, and if he's happy enough to work alongside Yonker and and to do that job, then then fine. But I guess we, we'll find out in due course um, whether it's a forward or or retrograde retrograde step. But I like to think it's it's probably something that's done uh, to to help improve things at youth level. Yeah, and I think to be honest, it probably would have been healthy for there to be a kind of passing of the torch, as it were, a period where Brady and Yonker mm. worked alongside each other and they will get that now, be it in a slightly roundabout fashion, so uh, I, I think it's probably positive, I think it's probably always a positive thing to have uh, someone like Liam Brady around the club I don't mm. think anyone's sorry to see him back involved, um, but it is interesting and, and I suspect that, as you kind of alluded to there, I suspect the primary thing will be that knowledge of where players go on loan, you know, Yonker's come from uh, principally a background in Holland and Germany and uh, maybe doesn't have the extensive knowledge of, you know, the English lower divisions, championship downwards, which sure. is required if you're going to marry up a player with a club. And Brady, you know, obviously will have that. Mm, fair point. All right. Another question. Uh, OK, another question. All right. This is an interesting one. This is from uh, Fred Turbin who's at RLF86 on Twitter. And he says, with all the money being spent by mid-table teams, do you think a new team can win the Premier League anytime soon? So I assume he means one who has not won it previously. No. No. Me neither. I think no chance at all. No. Unfortunately not. So there you go. And there you go. Problem <laughs> solved. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the... the the clubs that have the potential to win it are so entrenched. There's there's still such a gap. I mean, I think there has been an equalisation to a certain extent. You know, look at Crystal Palace bringing in a player like Kabai from PSG, mm-hmm. you know, a player that we were interested in, very interested in just before he went to PSG. So I think in terms of the, the overall talent of, of teams and squads, I think that's going to improve. I think it might make the uh, the games in general more competitive. Uh, there might be a, uh, an equalization of, of talent and results. But I think we, we kind of forget that um, it's always been a difficult league to get results in, the Premier League. Um, yeah, very much I so. remember when we were doing the the Invincibles book, myself and Andrew Allen, and we were doing the, the various reports on the matches, and you're looking at Arsenal, for example, drawing 1-1 with Leicester away from home and you look at some of the players in the Leicester team there was Frank Sinclair and there was Paul Dickov up front and you know on paper you're looking at a Leicester team which um, individually and collectively is far inferior to an Arsenal team that had Bergkamp, Vieira, Henri, Pires, Jumberg, uh, Gilberto all these players, Saul Campbell all these players that we look back on as absolute giants but you know if mm. Arsenal won the game by a single goal that's the way it went most of the time. You know, we didn't blast teams out of it all the time. You know, the think about the game against Middlesbrough, 4-0, amazing, fantastic performance. 
But that was not so much the exception, but it certainly wasn't the norm. So it's always been a very difficult league to get results in. I think that's going to be even more the case, but I don't think there's any way financially or or from a football point of view that anybody who hasn't won the Premier League before uh, could win it now. So you're looking at uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, depending on what happens with Klopp. And I think that's about it. Tottenham, no. Who else? No. There's I mean, I nobody else. Liverpool haven't, haven't won the Premier League, I suppose. So they're, they're the only one. But, True. But you know what uh, I mean? Just in terms of first division clubs. First the only, division the only way yeah, I yeah. think it could happen is if we had another Manchester City situation at a different club, you know? So if uh, a billionaire came in and was going crazy over uh, over some other club and pumped all the money in and they were able to do a PSG on it to a certain extent, then then perhaps, you know, because you wouldn't have said, I don't know, 10 years ago that Manchester City would be a team that could win the Premier League or 15 years ago, whatever think- it was. But, you know, obviously the financial circumstances change. So it needs for one for for a new club to have a brand new set of financial circumstances for them to be able to win the Premier League. Do you think financial fair play is flimsy enough to allow that to happen? It's fucked. It doesn't exist for it. <laughs> you know? No. It's been completely unable to enforce any of its... Yeah, ideas essentially. So it's it, yeah, it, yeah. It, I think it is fairly redundant. Mm. You might need to um, move so your mobile phone. I think your oh, mobile really? phone. Oh, someone yeah. just rang me. That's yeah, what it was. Number. Who was it? We'll never know. We will never we'll know never unless know. unless they call back. Nah, they won't call back. They never do. No, they, they never, never do, do. Andrew. In my experience, no, that's really weird. I got a call the other day from uh, an American number. I didn't recognize mm. the number, and I thought to myself, oh, well, I missed the call. I don't know why I think my phone was on silent. I was doing some recording or something. I missed the call. There's a missed call from the United States number. I was, well, look, if somebody's calling me from the United States of America, they'll try again. They didn't leave yeah, a message. Got, they'll they'll just try be again. Important. Yeah, it Someone must be important. Tried to assassinate the president or something. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus, you'll get this podcast in trouble, man. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and they never did. And then I'd forgotten all about it, and now I remembered. And my curiosity has peaked, and I really want to know who it was. Well, yeah, God it's the mystery. Damn. It's the mystery. It the is worst, the mystery. Sometimes you miss a call from a number, that, and you get a number, but you don't recognise it. I'll sometimes send a text message saying, sorry, I don't have this number. Who's calling? And they just won't reply to that. My goodness. What's wrong with people? That's just tormenting me. It surely is. It surely is. Um, anyway, let's, I think it's your turn to have a question. I don't think it is. Oh, is it? Yeah. It is, is it? my turn. I think it is my turn, because you asked the last one, didn't you, about Premier League? That's how this works. Mm. Okay. Uh, right, here, <laughs> here is the question. Uh, this comes from Atbin16. And he, he deleted his first question, because his first question was, does growing a bear help strikers end their goal draft? I think he means drought. Does right. growing a bear... He actually means, does growing a beard help strikers yeah. end their goal drought? Because Olivier Giroud now looks like he's cultivating a bit of a beard. Scored two against Denmark. Bit of help from Kasper Schmeichel. But would growing th- a beard or a bear... It's up to you. Either or. Does that help strikers, yeah. in your opinion? And actually, this is Anna, who's a Murta Sacker, but with a four instead of an A. 
She uh, she wanted okay. to know was his new beer the magical ingredient to his brace last night. Well, it's interesting. Theo Walcott's developed a beard, hasn't he, to go along with his striking yes. aptitude. There's a correlation there. This this runs deep, I suspect. Um, does growing a beard? I don't know. What would the possible advantage be of having a beard? It might mean that when defenders might be a bit reticent to challenge you in the air because they wouldn't want to get grazed mm. when they nuzzled against you in a, a you know, fighting over an aerial ball. Yeah. I mean, um, you, could, you could fill your beard full of nits and just kind of thrust your chin out towards defenders and they'd run away from you because they, they wouldn't want the true. nits. You could keep unpleasant things in the beard, mm-hmm. like Mr. Twit or something from Roald Dahl. Um, yeah. Um, what else could you do? I don't know. I, I think, mean, does it I mean, does it improve a player's aerodynamic um, ability? You'd think it would slow them, no? Yeah. The wind whistling through your beard. Because isn't that what uh, cyclists and um, and uh, swimmers, not a, not a bit of body hair on them anywhere because they need to be more aerodynamic in the water. They're like strange, a, hairless creatures, cyclists and, and uh, swimmers. I had all the hair. I mean, I'm not a very astute man. Uh, I bet you're wondering how this story's going to end. I am. But I had all the hair <laughs> removed from my face with a knife recently. You know, like a proper wet shave. Have you ever had that? Uh, no, I haven't because I'm terrified of the guy just, like, losing his mind and slitting my throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was at a place... Well, is it a place called Jack the Clipper, which makes... Which is nerve-wracking <laughs> anyway. Makes it sound like I'm going to die in here. Jack McClipper, but then the, the demon guy, barber. Exactly. It was exactly like that. And basically, he, the guy sat me down, and he was like... He was a Turkish bloke, and he said... I can do this in 45 seconds, and he had a blade in his hand. And I was like, take your time, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> this is not something that you necessarily want to rush. Mm. Uh, so he did it in a couple of minutes, but it's genuinely exhilarating and, and quite frightening. I don't, it's a bit like, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I, 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 mean, I, don't, I don't recommend it. Yeah, I, d- I don't like being clean-shaven anyway. Like, Well, I don't, but it was the experience, you know. I was sort of... I don't really... I felt... I looked about 10 years younger, which yeah. at my age is not necessarily a good thing. In about 10 years' time, I'll be very grateful for that. Um, but right now, I don't really care about looking younger. I sort mm. of don't really mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, it was scary. It was a scary, scary time. But, you know, it was sort of lovely and scary simultaneously. A bit like uh, a bear. <laughs> a bit like growing a bear. Yeah, I brought it back round. Yeah, nicely um, done. I, growing a bear could definitely help you out, I think, as a striker. Mm. Like, I mean, imagine it, if you could just shoot bears from it. your chin. Yeah, you're running exactly. through on goal, like and all of a sudden, you, and there's a fucking grizzly bear. Screw you, whoever defender it is. Who would just we John like? Terry, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, that would be I'll, amazing. Find me a centre half willing to go head-to-head with a man with a bear on his face, and I'll find you a liar. Who's the most uh, terrifying bear in history? Uh, There was this film... Yogi. Not Yogi. He was just an asshole. It's not Pooh. No. Yeah, it's not... um, Paddington was quite sinister in his way, wasn't he? I think after a few drinks, Paddington could get quite aggressive. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Like... And he was from deepest, darkest Peru. Like, I think the mean streets, do you know what I mean? I think he, he probably learnt a thing or two out there. Marmalade was um, code, wasn't it? Marmalade sandwich. That yeah, was like yeah. a piece of bread I've with a load mate. 
Yeah, a load of uh, load of like hallucinogens or, or cocaine. Narcotics. Yeah, so Paddington's like swarming the streets of London late at night with his wellies going bananas. There was that film with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin in it. I can't remember what it was called. The Fear, perhaps. And they were trapped. They've gone to Alaska or something like that. And there's a great scene with the bear. And the bear kind of goes... But the, you know the way the bear's bottom lip comes out when they're given out? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, really yeah. quite scary. He was a scary bear. What about um, Bungle? Did you ever see yeah. oh, uh, Rainbow? Yes. I would not like to be, you know, trapped in a dark room with, with Bungle. <laughs> no. 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 Surely, like... Bungle is, yeah, he's he's going to be the the next sort oh, of seventies yeah. TV personality to be exposed. I imagine. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's got to be some somebody out there with some terrible dream sequence. That they went to a party, they took a couple of pills, they were yeah. sitting there. The music was in one room, and they said, "Oh fuck, I'm going into a different room. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to have a joint and just sit there." And they're sort of closing their eyes and off their tits, and then all of a sudden they're sitting there and they realize Bungle is sitting beside them. Where the hell did Bungle come from? How did he get there? What is he doing? Get Get your paws off me! <laughs> that didn't happen exactly to me. That. Exactly. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad because it would be quite the trauma mm. had it done so. It really would be. Um, okay. So he's the scariest bear. I right. Think. Do we have one more question? Uh, yeah, go on then. I'll give you one more. All right. Um, this one is from Steve Moore, at Steve Moore, 4116. He asks, do you have any real concerns... That's not the end of the question, I must point out. I do. I have lots of them you, in general. Yeah. Do you have any real concerns that the Ox may not fulfil his massive potential at the Arsenal? Potential as what, though? I mean, is it, you know, he's a good video guy. I think that could be it. I, I, That's I, true. Every I mean, faith... we found the, the successor to Johan Juru, certainly. Yeah. I have every faith that he could do that. Um, so, no. I think he means as a footballer, mainly. What's the football? Is that why? We're, is that why we're here, really, to talk about football? I know it's just—it's just a game, guys. Come on! Yeah, you're all taking it far too seriously. It doesn't matter. Let's just chill out. Yeah. Um, no, go on, Ox. Do you think he's going to be all right? Yeah. Good. He's a good lad, isn't he? Seems a decent fella. You'd have a good pint with him. He wouldn't be the guy when you're sitting in a party. That you're off your face and you're sitting on the couch and then you wouldn't turn around and the ox wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be doing things to your special area he'd with his dancing. paws. Yeah. No. He'd be up dancing with with Jenks and Callum Chambers yes. and their little gang. Yes. I think that would be I think that would be exactly his role. So no, I have faith I th- that he can do it. That's good. He hasn't done much yet this season, has he, apart from make loads of defensive errors, but he did score the winner time. against Chelsea in the Community Shield. That's true. Can we give him that? Eternally grateful. Yeah, I think so. All right, I think so. It's it's sort of on that sort of cusp between being a friendly and not. So mm. we'll we'll let him have it. We'll All right. It. Well, I tell you what we'll do is we'll leave it there. You know, to end on a positive note, that would be that would be the main thing. Um, All right. Yeah, that's good. We're going to have an Irish cast Look, on we Friday. Did well. Yeah, we did. Yeah, on Friday we look forward to Watford. I guess you will be, won't you? I will. Looking forward to I'm it. I'm going to Watford. Excellent. It's it's the place of my birth, believe it or not. You should support your local team, then. I know, I know. <laughs> I was born in Watford, Watford General Hospital, which is literally a stone's throw. You, I have been there, picked up a stone and thrown it 
uh, to prove that it's a stone's throw from Vicarage Road. But well, look, you know, the handiness go. here is that if Arsenal win against Watford and some part of your body breaks, you won't have far to go to get mended. Hey, I have been treating them many times. So, yeah, let's see. It's it's conveniently placed location for me. Um, all right, well... So, yeah, all that to come later this week. Excellent. Well, we'll talk to you from your hospital bed live on Monday for the Arscast Extra. Um, and until then, take it easy, folks. Bye-bye. Do you want out? Lovely. <laughs>